Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we're going to focus in on how VR can be the next great communication medium. And we've invited the wonderful, talented Maxwell McGee to our show. So Maxwell is a multi-skilled, award-winning communication professional with over two decades of experience in this field. He has a strong passion for both the theory and the practice of using multimedia, and especially as it pertains to VR. Maxwell also works for or helps out with the Virtual World Society and is an ambassador and hosts an extremely popular podcast called The Next Stint. Welcome to the show, Maxwell. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and thank you for having me. You know, it's funny when I get a name like yours, I'm almost like a sigh of relief because over the many podcasts that I've done, sometimes there are longer, more elaborate names that I definitely have been challenged by. So I was so thankful to have a very simple last name like McGee. Yeah, well, it's funny. My dad, actually, when he was naming me originally, um, he wanted to give me a stage name at birth um, so that it would be easy to remember because he was hoping I would either be in sports or some type of entertainment and show business. So I guess he got lucky on one front. There you go. And if, if you were in sports... What would it be, Maxwell? Oh, that's actually a great question. Um, hmm, probably. I've done a lot of sports over the years. My dad kind of ingrained that in in me um, throughout the years. But maybe fencing or or surfing because that's heavily what I was into, especially um, when I was in uh, in college, living in Rhode Island. Um, I loved both, and I would still love to get back into into either or, but both of them take so much time and dedication um, that I, I can't do them as much anymore. But yeah, fencing or surfing, I love both of them. Well, those are two uncommon answers. Normally, especially coming from the United States, someone might say baseball or football. So kudos to you for having a, such an interesting sporting life as well. Let's talk about VR though. So I always start by getting the origin story and what got you interested and excited about using VR as a great tool? Yeah, absolutely. Um, many years ago, I was the co-owner of this media company called the Clovercrest Media Group. It was a podcast network, the number one podcast network in Connecticut, still is uh, today. Um, the owner of it um, uh, runs it really well and has made it into such a popular podcast network. But it was also uh, partly a media company at the time when I had originally joined as a uh, as a partner and as a co-owner. And I remember I, I had used VR lightly kind of in the classroom here and there. I loved using new technologies uh, in the classroom. But I remember using um, an app that just really blew me away on the Oculus Rift S. And I remember putting on the headset and going, 
oh man, I have not been going about this the right way. I, I, this is what I should be doing, you know, cause VR, like we were using, you know, like, uh, uh, little cardboard setups and everything and doing VR on the phone. Cause I didn't really have access. The universities didn't give me access to the technology at first. Um, so I remember putting on the, the Rift S and pretty much immediately going to buy a, uh, a quest for myself. And I was just mind blown at the capabilities of it. And we were going to do a little bit with VR when I co-owned the the company. But, um, you know, Oculus had made kind of a, a deal with us that we would help them produce original content. And uh, things didn't really pan out from there. I feel like, um, you know, there were some co-owners at the company that um, were trying to make things bigger than they actually could be. I told them we should downsize. We should start with content that's very simple because VR and especially using mixed reality and um, putting yourself on a green screen while you're in a VR headset. That's there's a lot of technical technical um, aspects that go into that that make video production very complicated so i told them we should do it in kind of a simpler sense and do it from a first person viewpoint um and they they vetoed that idea and did something a little bit too big and it didn't work out um so i was like all right you know maybe maybe my ideas aren't aren't too too bad maybe i'll take them to uh, to the universities um and then i started teaching it heavily in the classroom built out and designed my own virtual reality classes about vr theory and the technology and as they say, the rest is is history. I just became so obsessed and so involved in the VR industry and, you know, the industry and everyone in it is just so wonderful and welcomed me with open arms. And I've had great mentors and people have guided me and now I work full time in VR. So it's been a great journey. But that's how it started off was was putting on a Rift S and realizing, you know what, this is truly truly the future i love this i'm obsessed and how can i do more of that so when i started teaching it you know it, it kind of accelerated from that point hmm. i love that sort of tension that often people bring up about you know the notion of whether google cardboard kind of wrecked or slowed down the adoption of vr or whether you know google cardboard was just a stepping stone and people needed to get past that because there's kind of so it's quite an interesting debate when you talk to people about their first experience in VR. And if it was Google Cardboard, they're often, you know what, it didn't inspire me. And, you know, I shut the door on VR. And then there's, you know, people like you who quickly pivoted and tried something a little bit more uh, higher end and sixed off and and then were, were hooked like me and said, you know, this this medium has to be used more for learning. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think I often attribute it a lot to uh, to tea, funny enough. Um, I, I was never a really big tea drinker because I remember when I was a kid, my my mom used to just make, you know, just regular green tea in, in the bags and everything. And I always taste, thought it tasted bitter and it just didn't taste good. But then I realized, you know, tea like loose leaf and all the things that you could do with it. Um, but I noticed that I, like a lot of other people that didn't really drink tea for the longest time, my experience was kind of a little bit, I don't want to say ruined, but it was a little bit distorted in thinking, oh, is this what tea is? Because if it is, I don't want to get involved with it. it. It's a little bit like how I experienced the Google Cardboard and, you know, those different systems, because there was a bunch of knockoff versions as well, um, you know, and just using your phone. And I'm like, oh, if this is VR, it's not really that interesting or the technology is not where I thought it would be. And then you put on a VR helmet and you're like, oh, my God, I was so wrong. So 
I'm really grateful that I put on a helmet, but I think anybody who has not tried the more advanced version of VR, you know, Oculus using the Oculus Link, um, you know, uh, HTC, uh, HTC's products, um, they need to try it. It will blow you away. So I think if people are willing to make that transition and experiment, they're a lot more likely to put on a helmet and go, oh, wow, I, I didn't even know it was this advanced. This is crazy, you know? Well said. You know, you're a, you're a natural advocate for this. And so let's talk about that for a bit. So one of the roles you play is you help out with something called the Virtual World Society. Tell us a bit more about this organization and maybe how people might get involved with the Virtual World Society. You know, I care so much about the Virtual World Society that I'm actually very nervous and I want to make sure that I'm doing it justice um, because it is, uh, you know, Tom Furness, Daniel Dabosky, Bryant, the board members, the staff, just I've interacted with so many individuals at the organization. I really hope I'm doing right by them um, in describing it. But the best way I could describe the Virtual World Society is really it is it is Tom Furness's vision, his his dream of using VR for the good of humanity. And the Virtual World Society invests not only time, but also staff, board members, and resources into projects that are um, built for the betterment of uh, humanity through education, uh, philanthropic endeavors. Um, and we invest our time and our resources as much as possible in those projects. And uh, an example of that is the Metaverse for SDGs project put on by Exponential Destiny. And we've helped build teams for um, for that project. It is a massive, massive competition involved with the United Nations um, uh, the, for the sustainability development goals and using virtual reality technology to see how we can um, you know, solve uh, some of these um, uh, sustainability issues, and it's an amazing, amazing project. And people really have to um, really have to get involved um, with uh, with Exponential Destiny and the Metaverse for SGGs uh, project. But that's the really big project that we're focusing a lot of our time and resources on currently. Um, and people can check out the Virtual World Society at uh, virtualworldsociety.org. Um, I have it memorized now because I say it on every episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, which makes it a little bit easier to a uh, little bit easier to remember with repetition. But that's what the Virtual World Society is all about. It is for the good of humanity with the massive power of virtual reality technology. And we've got some amazing, amazing people working at that uh, that organization. And when you have such a powerful tool, which VR is, what what an amazing mandate to sort of say, okay, we're going we're gonna to emphasize how we use this, you know, incredibly convincing tool for good. And so I, I love that, that mission. I got the chance to listen to Tom Furness a few times in various VR venues throughout the years. And he's, he's a wealth of wisdom. You know, people often dub him the godfather of VR because of his involvement for so many years in this medium. So with your intimate work now with Virtual World Society, tell us a few nuggets that Tom sort of dripped into your brain about VR and so on. I love Tom. I love Tom. And I am so grateful every day that I met him because my journey in virtual reality, a, a huge part of it was possible because of him and the, and the opportunities that he gave me working with the Virtual World Society. And 
he's given me so many different quotes that I remember and I quote back to people, especially people not in the VR industry who might not be as familiar with who Tom is. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned from him is that it's not technology is really just kind of an extension of ourselves. You know, we think of technology as, you know, something that is that is very powerful and could do a lot. You know, we have medical technology that can cure diseases. We have media technology, um, you know, such as Facebook and Twitter that can get the message out of people who really need it. Um, but also people can use technology for malicious reasons. So Tom always brings technology back to the users. And I never really thought about it that way before I met him, which is that technology and us are not two separate entities. They're one and the same. And what he meant by that is they are like an extension of ourself in martial arts. When I was in martial arts for uh, for many years is one of the sports that I really loved. Um, whenever we had a. Um, a weapon, we didn't necessarily call it a weapon because that would imply our intention is to use it for harm. So they would always call it a, uh, a tool. They would call it um, something that is an extension of ourself. When you have a sword, it's not a sword. It's an extension of you. It's like a, like a stinger on a, uh, on a hornet defending itself, you know? So technology is an extension of us and we make it what we actually decide to do with it. So if we do good with technology, that makes that technology positive. That makes it a powerful and positive, impactful tool. So that's the really the, that's the big thing that I learned from uh, from Tom. But another thing I learned from him is that you really have to, if you want, especially if you want to be in VR or if you want to be in technology or if you want to be in anything. I rarely meet people who are as accepting of themselves as Tom is, you know, because Tom is he's he's the godfather of VR, but he also has so much humility and so much intelligence. And I love his background in talking about, you know, he was either going to be uh, he remembers saying uh, taking a test and they said, you're either going to be a pastor or you're going to be an engineer. and if I could describe Tom in some way, that's how I describe him. He is a pastor and he is an engineer. So he is accepting of himself and what he wanted to do. So he wasn't even necessarily thinking about, oh, I'm going to invent this technology. He just said, this is what I want to do. I like this. I like to invent. I like to create things. I like to be creative. And one of the most important technologies of our time was birthed from that simplicity of I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I love this, you know, so I'm just I'm going to do it. And um, for a long time, especially in academia, um, one of the reasons why I was kind of upset and a little bit unhappy being in full time in academia is because I only got into academia because I wanted to impact the world. And you can't necessarily blame me for that. You know, I think that's still a positive, um, a positive uh, uh, mission to go forward with. But I realized I was going about it the wrong way. And I thought about it and I was like, what do I actually love? I, I mean, I actually love the technology of VR and I actually love multimedia. 
Um, I love being a digital storyteller. That's what I do at Engage now is I'm, I'm a digital storyteller. I'm doing the video, the photography, the audio, uh, the narrations. I'm telling stories through the power of multimedia. And I'm making so much more of an impact when I returned to the private sector and said, you know what? I'm going back to full time, just doing what I like, just doing what I like. And I was lost for a number of years. But ever since Tom told me that to just kind of just just truly do what you're passionate about and it will impact the world in whatever way it's going to impact the world. So I was really inspired by Tom's story. And that was that was probably the second biggest thing that that Tom ever taught me was that be yourself do what you love, do what you're passionate about. Don't do something just to help others or just to, uh, to do this, you know, be yourself and make yourself happy. And that happiness will spread. And damn, he was right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other, the other word that stuck out for me as you're describing that incredible story and vignette was, uh, the term grace. Cause you know, grace sort of embodies a whole bunch of what sort of you said about Tom Furness and how how incredible for someone to be able to live a life of grace and and do something they love. So thank you for that great story. Absolutely. Context. Tom is let's, wonderful. Yeah. Let's talk about context for a minute because I think this is one of the reasons why you and I and many people see the potential and the power of VR. You know, you mentioned storytelling earlier on and as a a teacher myself for many, many years, I always, like you, wanted to make a difference. But one of the things that really disappointed me was we were sitting in classrooms and desks and we're trying to teach these amazing concepts, whether it's about peace or, you know, the struggle of power. And it's so hard to do when the context that we're trying to catapult the learning is in a two-dimensional textbook. And along comes VR where context can, you know, help kids understand this, make it way more memorable. You know, it's so, it's such an amazing tool to be able to catapult learners into, you know, uh, a scene or a setting about World War II when you're talking about it, because VR does that. So we can take learners and viewers anywhere to try and tell that story. And I'll, I'll give you a moment to, to, to sort of wrap your thoughts around that. But I, I was curious myself when I thought, hmm, if, if you and I were instead of just over uh, voice audio inside VR, when you met me, where would you take me and why? That's such a great question. Um, and there's so many amazing places that I could take you. It's funny. I was doing some photography and in, inside engage, um, engage VR today, taking screenshots of all of our, our wonderful locations. And definitely I, I would take you to space. I would take you to space because I feel we live our whole lives on earth and a very lucky few of us, a very lucky, incredible few of us get to experience what it's like beyond the stratosphere. You know, so little of us get to experience that. And there's a lot of amazing places on earth, but space has always been a big passion of mine. Space education, um, you know, space science. It's always been a really big passion of mine. Not, not that that's my expertise by any means. I just love it. Um, 
but I would most certainly take you to space because I feel as though space, when you're there and when you're experiencing it, especially in VR, you realize how small you are first and foremost you see all the different stars and you gain perspective on how far each one of those stars are away from each other you gain perspective on how tiny you are compared to even the moon which is not really considered that in our solar system isn't really considered that big of a celestial body you know but it's also about perception you know space kind of created us out of dust and particles and atoms to experience space. I mean, we're experiencing something that, that, you know, created us. So learning and experiencing all of that science is just beautiful. And I think, uh, you know, being in space environments in VR is, is I think one of the biggest purposes of, of VR is to let us experience some things that otherwise we would never get to experience. There's other things such as fantasy, um, you know, uh, like riding on a dragon or, you know, fighting goblins and like a Dungeons and Dragons esque game. But that's what's crazy about a space environment, especially for like an interview or just talking or hanging out or education. That's what's mind blowing about it. It's still real. But it feels like a fantasy. It it doesn't feel real. You could put me on the moon tomorrow, and I would be like, this still feels like a dream, and yet it's our reality. So I love how virtual reality allows us to experiences, experience aspects of our reality that don't feel real, and they feel like a fantasy. So I would 100% take us to space, absolutely. And how interdisciplinary, when you described and unpacked the reasons why you said space, you know, it wasn't just reasons that would connect to curriculum for science. There were, you know, perspective is a very important part of writing and language and literature and so on. So uh, I'm with you. Space has so much to offer a plethora of different subjects. So well said. I looked at your portfolio and it includes a lot of work related to sound. So voiceover acting and voiceover, you've done that and other elements. Many people overlook the power of sound and audio to help make learning amazing. So when teachers are designing maybe immersive learning experiences, why convince them that they shouldn't just sort of think of sound as an add-on, but an important priority for learning? Sound is one of the ways we learn. That's the thing, is we use sound to recognize the voices of our loved ones. We use sound to recognize danger and to recognize safety. I mean, if somebody were to describe to you, you know, what a what a lion is, and you never see it and you never hear it, it's 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 difficult to perceive a lion as something that's that's dangerous if it's just described. But if you were to hear the roar of a lion, especially close by, your hair would stand up. You would get these goosebumps of fear. You would experience so many emotions just from a sound. And that's the thing is that sound has a huge impact on us as as human beings. I mean, we use sound for so many things. And I can give a, a prime example. When it is snowing 
and it's very, very quiet. The thing is, when you are making sounds, especially in the snow, and it's again, it's it's very, very quiet. You could close your eyes and you could almost experience the snow without the visuals. And my uh, video professor in college, he used to it's funny because he was a video expert like he was he was the video guy. And even he said bad video in a movie can be even used purposefully to create something that is erratic or chaotic or anything. But he said bad sound can never be forgiven in in a in a film it just can't and i love that that came from a video professor because sound helps us elicit emotions feelings perspectives it helps us recognize certain things i mean the people that we love you know i i one of my biggest regrets is i don't have a lot of recordings of my grandmother um uh and I really wish I did, but the few recordings that I do have, my mom could play those for me and I would recognize it immediately as her and a wave of emotions and memories would come just from that sound. I would remember hearing her tell me, hey, don't tell your mother, but I'm giving you another Klondike bar. When I was a kid, I loved Klondike bars. And my <laughs> grandmother used to, she was an Italian grandmother. So of course, she was constantly giving me food. Um, everyone in my Italian family is always just like, eat, 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 please. And she would have these Klondikes in the, in the, in the freezer. And it's funny because people listening to this might go like, well, what does that have to do with with her voice? Well, memories are attached to somebody's voice. When you hear somebody speak, you also hear all the memories of the things they've said to you over the years and the things that you um, most associate them with. So sound comes with emotion. It comes with memories. It comes with recognizing danger, recognizing safety. So we attach sound to so many things in our environment, in our reality, that to forget sound is to forget so many of those attachments, which is truly doing a disservice, not only to education, but for us as human beings. Yeah. And the beauty of some platforms like Engage is that they have it set up to have spatial sounds so that, you know, if you're far away from something, that sound that you've placed in the VR world actually, you know, uh, proliferates that it's far away. As you get closer, it gets louder. And that adds to the realism which you can't really do on a 2d screen no no you you can't and it's it's unfortunate it's why a lot of people got zoom fatigue it's because you know when you have headphones on you're hearing everybody in your ears equally whereas when you're at a party a conference a gathering you're just with a group of friends in the real world people who are sitting right next to you and you're having a conversation with you can hear them as clear as day and people who are sitting across from you sound you know three feet apart four feet apart five feet apart so that spatial sound also allows us to experience those same feelings and emotions we would if we were actually with somebody in person which i think is is so important considering again a lot of people got zoom fatigue and turned to virtual reality because it has that spatial sound that that you're right zoom just uh, just doesn't max it's a it's obvious you know a lot about vr and you've been in this industry for many years now so with that comes wisdom and of course insight so tell me one thing that when you first started with vr 
you thought dot, dot, dot. But after a few years of learning from others and, you know, no pun intended, but immersing yourself into the industry, you changed your mind and now you think differently about X. That's a good question. Um, I, I think that when I first got involved with, um, with VR, uh, I was more exposed to the gaming side of things. So my opinion about it was, was kind of just like, oh, these are cool games. Like we can study this, we can do, we can do a lot with this. And then as I started to get more involved with the virtual reality uh, industry, I realized, oh, we actually should be getting away from this. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that we should get rid of VR gaming by any means because it's a very big moneymaker, um, especially for for Meta, especially for the Oculus products, because oh, it's more of a consumer level product. Um, but I realized that VR is actually better suited for education and for learning and for professional development than it is for gaming. And I realized this because I'm, I'm a big gamer myself. I love video games. I play a ton of them. I have Nintendo products, PlayStation products, Xbox products. I do PC gaming. I do, I do it all. When I started to get more involved with VR, I realized I'm not even playing any games on this thing. You know, I have this Oculus and I have all these games and they go, don't get me wrong. They're fun. But I'm like, I mean, is this really the future of gaming? Or is VR well uh, suited for something else? And that was my big realization was um, VR for gaming makes sense, but not that much sense. You know what I mean? A lot of people game because it's comfortable. Like, you know, oftentimes when I game, I want to relax, especially when I'm playing an RPG and I would put on a headset and I'm like, oh, there's so much work I have to do with this. It's like, <laughs> I kind of want to just sit on the couch and fight Darth Vader. I don't want to get up and do ex and exercise for the second or third time today, uh, you know, just because I want to fight a Sith Lord, you know. Um, so I just realized that VR is is it's not actually that well suited for gaming. Yes, it's immersive, but for professional development and education, you can't deny the massive amount of research that has proved again and again through so many different studies that for professional development and for education, VR is seriously second to none. Hmm. We all hope that VR tech will continue to grow and it's hopefully just like the mandate of the virtual world society it will make lives of all of us more meaningful people in this world. So what's what's one hope or one wish that you have about this amazing medium from now till maybe the next year? So something sort of short term, a short term hope and a short term wish. I want accessibility. I want more people to be able to uh, have access to this technology. I mean, not just this technology, but just technology in general. When the pandemic first hit, uh, it was it was really hard. And I had uh, I had a, this small group of students. I'll never forget them. I'm smiling at even as I talk about them because it was the first group of students I ever taught at Post University. It was a super small class. It was only about seven kids, 
And I remember all of them to this day. One of them was directly from Italy. She spoke great English, but she mostly spoke Italian. Um, I had these two brothers. They were like practically twins. They used to mess with each other all the time. I had a basketball player uh, in there as well. And she was so wonderful. And she would always tell me like, hey, I, uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss class because I got a game. I'm like, good luck. You're going to kill it. You know, it was I remember each and every one of them. And they they were wonderful kids. And it was a small class that it was during 2020, the spring of 2020. Then all of a sudden the pandemic hit. And I cannot tell you how much communication decreased between me and them because none of them even had access to good internet. I mean, these kids were going home and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me that internet is the thing they can't have they don't have access to they don't have access to good internet how the hell is that excuse my language but how the hell is that fair you know that that these these kids that were with their families like these families couldn't afford to pay the cable companies uh enough for decent internet and it it decreased the the communication so i hope for really for two things one in relation to the technology i hope for better accessibility um, you know, just for everybody, not not just for people to have more uh, uh, more access to the technology, laptops, better inter- uh, internet access, but those with disabilities as well. Um, I want digital accessibility to to get better because as it stands right now, it's still a little bit iffy with uh, with a number of software. Um, and I also want better accessibility for average everyday people. I want more universities to uh to have money and grants and more uh, schools high schools middle schools elementary schools to have more money and more grants uh in order to afford this technology because that has been the main blockage in my career in academia is that the university is telling me we just don't have we don't have the money for this in order to to afford it. we agree it's awesome we believe you you've quoted great research but it's hard for us to be able to invest in this right now um, especially with a, a very risky economy and with inflation so i really want more kids and and especially young people to have access to better technology uh, better virtual reality technology, because when you put this technology in the hands of the youth and, and from what we've seen, they can do incredible things. I've seen nine year olds build an entire universe on Minecraft, an entire universe where you can explore. I've seen people build out World War Two, you know, mock ups and sets in, in, in Minecraft. I've seen kids learning to code on Roblox. I mean, it's amazing with these kids and what people who are are younger can do when they have access to this technology. But that's my hope is I want more people and it doesn't matter rich, poor, no matter what background they come from, everybody deserves to have access to this technology because the amazing things that we can do with it can truly, truly change and help the world. I really believe that. Yeah. And how amazing would it be for kids to just lean in and love learning all the time instead of, you know, moaning to go to school or moaning to do this project in school or that project. So I'm with you, my friend. And, you know, what what better way than to end today's podcast? If people are interested, like maybe, you know, there's a huge philanthropist out there or someone that's like, you know what, I, I need to help out society more. 
you know, how, how could they get a hold of you through your work with the Virtual World Society? Or maybe they're just interested, for example, in how do they, you know, how do they lean into sound more or something else that we said in today's podcast? What's the best way that people could get a hold of you? Uh, absolutely. Well, definitely. Um, I have the email on my on my phone. I always have access to it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a very uh, busy bee, so I I love to work. So I'm always uh, accessible at Maxwell at virtualworldsociety.org. They can reach out to me if they ever, um, you know, have any questions about anything in my background and my expertise. But definitely, definitely head over to the virtualworldsociety.org. Um, and there's tons of different buttons. I'm on, actually on the website right now um, that you can go to. You can go to the join button, contact us, um, especially uh, give as we are a charitable organization. Um, if you have any uh, any money to uh, to donate to the Virtual World Society, uh, we are a philanthropic um, company. So um, it every every little bit counts, and every little bit helps with you know all of our uh, all of our missions to do good in the world. Um, so head over to the virtualworldsociety.org, check us out, and definitely, definitely join. Membership is totally free, and we are actually always looking for people to um, to help out. I'm one of the people who volunteers with the Virtual World Society. I'm a senior advisor and uh, a podcast host uh, for them. I host and produce the uh, the Nextant podcast, and I love every second of it. And I, I, if I had more time, trust me, I would give it right to the Virtual World Society. So it's a great organization to get involved with. And also, um, definitely check out the Metaverse for SDGs project. These are all very amazing to resume builders. I wish I had stuff like this when I was younger to put on my resume that I worked for a virtual uh, reality organization. So we're looking for people from all different backgrounds and tastes and skills, whoever you are, trust me, if you want to help out, you are the exact person for us. So head over to um, virtualworldsociety.org and definitely get involved. It's an amazing organization and well known in the VR industry and was started by the grandfather of VR himself, Tom Furness. So it's a great organization. Maxwell, you have been incredibly articulate today. Thanks for putting on such a good show. So interesting. I appreciate you so much in this fairly close-knit community we call the VR world. And please continue to do all the hard work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Greg. You are so wonderful. This has been so pleasant. I've had a wonderful time. So thank you so much for having me on. Bye for now.